Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, sitting here with Sam Ziggy Rodriguez. That's me. And Leah Jacobson. And you're supposed to say something. Hello. Hi. So she has mastered the, the greeting. I love that. And that's awesome. So Leah is the CEO and founder of the Guiding Star Project, guidingstarproject.com. She's a wife, mother of seven. She wrote a book called Holistic Feminism, Healing the Identity Crisis Caused by the Women's Movement. You can get that on Amazon, but also lumenpress.org. Um, and so, Leah, this is our sixth out of six episodes. We did it. Yeah, we have done it. <laughs> and uh, and I, I'm just so thrilled that we were able to take a... Um, we don't often get the opportunity to take a topic and really expand on it and just sure. sort of delve into it. So we have yeah. taken the topic of feminism and just kind of been all over the place with it and i think it's been valuable it has for me i've enjoyed the conversation and i hope our listeners have as well and if if you're just now tuning in you need to listen to uh the episodes the five previous episodes uh, go to the catholic cafe.com you can hear them there um or you can get them on itunes um but i don't you don't, they don't call it itunes anymore it's apple podcasts you can get it there anyway <laughs> And the uh, EWTN app. Yeah, you can as well. So uh, that being said, uh, Leah, uh, this is kind of like, I guess we're kind of wrapping things up. And our last episode, we were it was kind of a Debbie Downer. It was. Yeah. We, <laughs> yeah we, and, and there was one time where you started to get positive. I said, stop it. Yeah. <laughs> stop it. There will be no down. joy. There'll be no joy in church. <laughs> Wipe that smile off your face. No. Uh, but w- w- we really want to make sure that this episode is sort of like the the... Uh, uh, you can do it. Yes, you can smile. You can, there is hope. There is love. There is great. Uh, there's good news. Uh, and and so we're going to talk about how to build uh, a culture of life uh, amidst a culture of death. I mean, w- there are things that we can do, and we want to go through that uh, w- with you today. Uh, I do. I do want to mention something though. Uh, we we've talked off and on about holistic feminism. Your book. Um, and it's just come out, uh, and it's, it's available now. Help me understand. Just tell us, give us a little introduction about what this book is about. Who is it for? Who, who, who's supposed to read this book? Well, I'm actually everybody. Yeah, please, everybody, everyone buy this everybody, book. every woman. Um, actually, that's a really good point. Um, you know, because your audience, I'm assuming, has some interest in the Catholic. There's a Catholic or two. Okay, listening. there may be a Catholic or two listening to the Catholic Cafe, and this book, even though. Um, even though many of the things that are in there absolutely fit with church teaching, and, and it actually does have an imprimatur upon the book, right? Um, it's not written for a Catholic audience. It's available to any person of goodwill who is seeking truth about the goodness of the human body. Um, I think I'm just trying to put something out there into the hands of our young people in particular who are confused about how to speak about the body in a good and positive way. Mm. Does it, would you say that it would sometimes become an obstacle to where if a person has to have faith in Jesus Christ or faith in Catholicism sure. to listen to the messaging, then people say, oh, not for me, and then they'll just like throw the baby out with the bathwater, basically? Yeah, sure. I, I think that's true. I think sometimes if we if we hear something as Catholic or something has a religious um, background, if, it, if, if a priest endorses it, then it must not be relevant to my life, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's just not true. I mean, 
our world is very ordered. We have a loving creator. A natural law is is available to anybody to, through their reason and logic and observation, find goodness and truth. Yeah, see, and people don't understand this, and it sounds like heretical, but there is no Catholic truth. I mean, there is literally <laughs> there truth, is and if you seek truth. that truth, what I believe fully is that you will find the Catholic Church. Amen. Uh, yeah. Being the, 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 the sort of mouthpiece of God, the revelation of God in its fullness. Well, and I would say then that this book, Holistic Feminism, is um, it's an on-ramp to truth. But it's a very, there you go. It's a very gradual on-ramp because it's just really telling the basics of the beautiful nature of, of the female body in particular and how feminism has sometimes gotten that wrong. Again, it's called Holistic Feminism, and you can get it at Amazon and LumenPress.org. And we're happy to promote that because that's part of our building a culture of life. I mean, I'm not going to say the only thing you can do to build a culture of life is to read this book, <laughs> to buy this book. No, but what, what I'm saying is is information needs to be put in the hands of people, especially people in the next generation, our younger generation, the Agreed. future. Agreed, 100%. That's what it takes to build a culture of life is, is to make sure the next generation values and respects and loves life. And you know what? As we keep going generation to generation, we really get more lost and it's what what I believe is we're really like in like the the fourth or fifth full generation of lost people where like I my people my age are less able to speak the truth to their kids the people my parents age were a little more able to speak the truth to me the people my my grandparents age were a little more so as we get further back you kind of know the truth a little more, but as we keep getting further, it gets harder and harder. I, I actually have a theory on that. Do you? I have a theory on that, and I have a theory on, um, well, okay, I'll just say from my own experience, um, when I went off to college and I realized that most of my female friends had no idea about you know their fertility or when they ovulated and, and things like that, I began to reflect upon it, and why did I know those things? And I was really lucky. I grew up on a dairy farm in a rural part of the country, an agrarian area, surrounded by nature you knew all about lactation i knew all <laughs> about the milk <laughs> you were utterly fascinated by it <laughs> how oh, dare you no. make that joke <laughs> yes. but i think there has been a loss of connection to nature and natural laws and biological consequences but isn't that interesting you say that and i 100 percent agree that we we have but and yet there's a clamoring for it so we want the organic foods we do we want sustainable foods we want all these single sourced this and we want to make sure that we have all these free this and free that and and i get it and those are valuable things but we've still lost the connection of being uh like hands-on we long for eden yeah you know we we long for that place where nature makes sense and we can predict what's going to happen um and in many ways our current american modern life has been removed very far from Eden. Very far. We cannot, very few of us watch a sunset. You know, very few of us connect with our creator through his creation ever. So my, my first suggestion to people, uh, if they're feeling like, well, I'm not, I'm not a dairy farmer, <laughs> right? And, you know, whatever. I'm a single dad raising a kid. Uh, and I really, I got this uh, 12-year-old daughter. I'm not really going to be good at talking about lactation. I, and I'm not saying that that's, um, something that's uh, not going to be a challenge. I realize that. There are sources. There are places. There are people you can reach out to. So if, if there's a Guiding Star project in your town. Absolutely. Uh, but also, your local parish is going to be able to help you find um, resources. There's yeah. La Leche League. There's there's all the... And that's, that's still talking about like breastfeeding and all that kind of stuff. But there are places where you can find out some more information. 
Absolutely. I would say, um, first of all, you know, going back to teach the next generation just the truth, the goodness, the beauty of the nature of our bodies and of the Creator. I mean, when we Amen. look, yeah. you need to start finding education on what is just true and good and beautiful about the creation. If that you we seek are. truth, beauty, and goodness, you will find God, you will find the church, you'll find each other. Amen. Yeah, so that's that's a positive. Now, the other thing I would say in all of this is, as we're trying to, we, we realize that the solution, um, of course it's the Lord, but the solution, our, our, the process needs to uh, be in illuminating this upcoming generation with the truth. There's an old church phrase uh, in Latin, nemo dot quod non habet, which essentially just means you cannot give what you do not have. Mm. So if you feel incapable of communicating that truth, you need to get that truth. Yeah. So you need to study. You need to read. You need to bone up on what the church teaches. Not just what the church te- teaches, but yeah. why the church teaches what she does. Yeah. Because there is truth, beauty, and goodness in everything that she teaches. Yeah. It's not just like rules and regulations, what yeah. not to do. Well, and I think in terms of um, yeah, what the church teaches on, on the human body and the goodness, you look at the theology of the body, and if you're building a, cr- a culture of life, which we're talking about, theology of the body is one of the most proactive ways of viewing the goodness of humanity. It's telling us to embrace these beautiful gifts that we have as men and women and um, proactively raise the next generation to feel good about God that has given them these, these beautiful bodies. Amen. That they, that they were made with intention and purpose. Amen. W- would you say, so with your organization, Guiding Star, um, is there... Are there things that Guiding Star is doing to be proactive about reaching the younger generation with healthy messaging? Yes. Thank you for asking that, because I know you know the answer to this. <laughs> so, full disclosure, I'm on the uh, national, I'm vice chair of the national board for Guiding Star. Uh, I serve on the board with Leah and have for a couple of years. And, yeah. and not because it's it's some prestigious position. Uh, no. It's because you love and believe in, in, in what they're doing. Absolutely. It's an awesome thing. So, answer his question. Yeah. Are they doing that? We are, we are working very hard to be proactive in reaching this next generation. We have a, a program called The Cycle Show, and The Cycle Show is actually aimed at 9 to 12-year-olds girls uh, to teach them. What do they them. care about motorcycles? I don't understand. Like <laughs> The cycle show, what is that all about? The menstrual cycle. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> that'll can, that'll yeah. stop him in oh, his no. tracks. What, am I, to, what do I do now? <laughs> Harley <laughs> Davidson doesn't sell those. No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, the, yeah, the slogan from um, The Cycle Show is actually, um, I can only protect what I value and respect. Oh, that's beautiful. And so it's teaching our young women that their body is worthy of, of valuing and respecting it and protecting it. Um, you know, it's interesting because that's counter exactly the opposite of what... Uh, I once was I'm a video professional by trade, and I was doing a video, an informational video, on a, a very well-known um, sort of a civic club that's in most cities that helps boys and girls, mm-hmm. uh, like after-school programs and whatnot. And I was taping them, and so I'm like, well, what do you like about you know this or the club or whatever? And pretty much every kid, primarily the young ladies, that were aged between uh, 8 and... Uh, up to 17 or 18 that came in and talked to us, every one of them used key words that I heard over and over again about my body, about mm. about choice, about choosing, about choosing what's right for my body. And it's like it's being indoctrinated, so right? It's fun. And which is not being respecting and protecting. You really don't have a true choice on what to do with your body if you don't even know how your body works in yes. the first place. 
And so we're being led to believe that, you know, we by controlling and subverting and, you know, altering and suppressing our natural bodies, that it's somehow a right that we have as yeah. women when it ultimately that's the grand irony is that you have no choice to work with your body because your body is no longer functioning as it was created. And the cycle show, just like your book, Holistic Feminism, you know, the cycle show is actually it's created to to be placed in public schools it's not created for church schools only is that correct Mm -hmm. it is because again we kind of come back to that principle of truth is truth is truth and this is just medical information that young women deserve to have at their hands and do you think when you're talking to young women in these contexts in this way are you build are you able to build trust with them because that's something that's a fundamental that's that's lost right now well, and I, it has to be relational. Yes, we're working very hard to have that first um, introduction with young women be very trustworthy. You know, as healthcare professionals, I think we already have a level of trust usually given to us societally by just our position within the healthcare industry. Um, but it's important that we maintain that relationship with her throughout her fertile years and throughout her childbearing years, throughout her whole life. Because um, if we look at what's happening kind of on the flip side of women's healthcare, um, women's first time that they go in to you know an abortion clinic is often not actually for an abortion she's often going in years earlier for her first contraceptive prescription the relationship is long and ongoing um and so for us to recognize that we need to be her trusted source of companionship on these matters and experts on women's health issues well before she's making any decisions well before any crisis takes place um, she needs to be just soaking in the truth and the goodness of her body. So our previous episode was culture of life, what not to do. So if we're going to speak in terms of what to do in building a culture of life, um, what I'm hearing from you is, you know, do you think it's fair to say that a lot of like for folks who are in the pro-life movement, a lot of times their first interactions with the woman who is in the throes of a crisis pregnancy is, when she's on her way to an abortion or yeah. when she's Googling yeah. abortion, for yep. example. Is that yep. fair to say? I, I, I do think that that oftentimes, unfortunately, is a, a large majority of our first time that we interact with women, which is incredibly unfortunate. And I'm, I'm very grateful that those people are out there doing that work because they've saved a lot of lives and it's really important work. But really, it's very reactive. We're waiting the final moments. We've lost years of opportunity to tell her about the goodness of, of her fertility mm. and maybe even have helped prevent her, you know, her unwanted situation that she's in at this moment. Um, but if we can get to her with healthy messaging you know, when she's younger and build those relationships of trust at an early age, um, we're going to be the place she's turning to. Um, so I, I, I applaud what you guys are doing. Um, but I also, there's a part of me and again maybe i'm a conspiracy theorist that there's a there's a built-in kind of like i don't say distaste but i'm not always trustworthy a trusting of of institutions and entities and of which technically guiding star project would be one and so i understand there's a there's a challenge there that you have to overcome and building trust and starting early is beautiful but is there also other avenues in which we can be um, um, helping these uh, this future these future generations like like for instance family of course yeah of course parents m- mothers in particular I think are should be the trusted source of information on healthcare needs for young girls it sh- our mothers should understand how to explain fertility breastfeeding childbearing they should be able to demystify and share the beauty and the goodness and not the horror stories of just oh this is terrible like I yeah. want to help you avoid that but unfortunately we've been through a couple generations of women that have lost um you know information on that it hasn't been readily available to them Uh, and so just unfortunately many of our moms are not equipped 
many of our parents, you know, a lot of fathers aren't going to want to have a conversation with their young daughter about, you know, becoming sexually active. That's a very, except for don't do it. Yeah, don't do it. Don't do it, yeah. you know. Um, and if she does it, where's the pathway back? Where's, where's but the But even beyond just the um, uh, strictly about human sexuality, um, in that broader sense of like who you were created to be, mm. right? In made in God's image and likeness, that every part of you, including your sexual parts, but every part of you, is a beautiful gift from God and, yep. and meant for a purpose. That message, it's kind of because we have so many broken families yep. and families are in such disarray at this point. We we don't we end up relying yeah. on institutions to have to teach those things. Yeah, you're you're 100 right. It's meant to be from the family first. Um, you know, parents. Catholic parents, we know and understand that we are our children's primary educators. And I think, you know, with the current situation of life with most parents, both parents working, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of this has been handed off to schools. A lot of this has kind of just been, you know, parents have backed away from it and said, well, I'm not the expert on that. Well, I shouldn't do that. But we're missing tremendous opportunities of, of reaffirming to our children who they were, who they are. And I imagine that you, while you had the advantage of growing up on a dairy farm, you know, to teach you about lactation. But I imagine your family um, helped you along the way. Mom and dad helped you understand certain things about your body and about your meaning and purpose well, and your dignity as a human person. I mean, it came about very naturally when you're seeing life, you know, you're seeing birth, you're seeing death, you're seeing, you know, all the things that come with caring for animals or even just the simplicity of planting the seeds in the springtime when the rains are there and the soil is fertile. I mean, that's very analogous. Well, the livestock have cycles as well. They do. And so as a child, yeah, witnessing, you know, cows being artificially inseminated at a specific time. I mean, that's that's the reality of dairy farming and, and agricultural lifestyles. You come to understand that there's a cooperation with nature, there's an order, there's a natural biological consequence that follows from a specific action. And so those conversations, I didn't have to have the same kind of birds and bees conversations with my parents as a child because I was seeing it all around me in everyday life. Oh yeah, you had birds and bees all around you. The literal birds and bees <laughs> were all around mm, me. Yeah. You know, one one thought that comes to mind as well is in, in terms of going back to this notion of what to do in, in terms of building a culture of life and also thinking in terms of the healthcare context. Um, you know, a lot of times members in the pro-life movement will invest a lot of energy and resources in making sure that if a woman does make the choice to have her baby, that she's, if she can't afford the health care, that she's surrounded by, you know, health care uh, providers to, to help her see her through that struggle. But then a lot of times after the baby is born, mm-hmm. they're gone. Yeah. And, and so, um, and it's my understanding that, correct me if I'm wrong, 61% of abortions are from women who have already had children. Yeah, that's that's number actually from Guttmacher. That's Planned Parenthood's own research arm puts that number out. So, so, so if we're yeah. if if somebody's goal is to help uh, end abortion or, or you know, then paying attention to women who have already had children and 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 focusing on long term relationships and long term care, not just for the young girls, mm-hmm. but also for the women as adults. Yep. You kind of have to have both. Is that correct? Agreed. And I would actually say that I think some of that number, I mean, I can't, I can't positively say what all the reasons are that women who have children in such high numbers go back for abortions. But the way that our healthcare system is currently treating, you know, fertility, childbirth, breastfeeding, all of it in some ways is that it's kind of a disease. And that women in many, many instances are feeling traumatized 
by their pregnancy and birthing experiences. You know, they're feeling there's been a rise in the, the use of the term birth rape. If you're not familiar mm-hmm. with it, it's a really fascinating uh, thing to explore. But women that have severe, uh, you know, postpartum psychosis and depression, talking about how they felt that their choice, that their uh, decision-making skills were taken from them in the birthing process, that they felt so vulnerable and it was such a, a, a negative experience for them. And so healthcare has the potential to be very healing, to be very empowering, to help women really truly understand how strong they are if they're given the chance to be in relationship and to be trusted and to learn to trust their body. Uh, and so I think our current health care system, sadly, honestly, is set up more for the convenience sometimes of providers and hospital systems than it is for the needs of an individual mother and a woman. Uh, and so I, we have a lot of work to do there in empowering women to embrace their bodies and their babies together, you know, because you can't just say, well, the baby's healthy and that's all that really matters. That can be incredibly invalidating to a woman who just went through a very traumatic C-section, a very traumatic breastfeeding experience. She may decide this is so bad. I will never do this again. So if I'm hearing you right, instead of focusing just on, you know, the abortion minded woman in a crisis pregnancy, a broader focus on abortion vulnerability and uh, and also contra- contraception-mindedness and, and addressing a woman's fertility. Uh, it's, it seems like, in your, from your perspective, the perspective of holistic feminism, that that is, if we really want to build a culture for life, that that's absolutely essential. Is that, is that fair to say? I, I think it's absolutely essential that a woman understands that her body is not the problem that what her body is doing is not the problem, that a culture and a society that doesn't know how to support her and embrace her and accept her children, that is the problem. That is a culture of death. And that's uh, it's, it's interesting you bring that up right now because I, I wanted to st- spend the last few minutes here helping people understand that the, we, we've done six episodes here, you know, and we've gone through a lot. And I'll just, I'll recall that we kind of talked about uh, the first episode with Pope John Paul II and and his views on feminism and his, his call for a new feminism, feminine genius. Uh, and then uh, the second show was about feminism and the consumer culture, uh, essentially being the really the enemy of motherhood uh, and that being a problem, right? And then the third show was about the problem of gender ideology and, and not realizing the, the very gift of your body and the meaning and purpose of your body. Um, and then connected that, certainly <clears throat> the fourth show, uh, the crisis that we found in women's health care, um, and then understanding more about the gift of holistic feminism. And then certainly uh, this last show on how not to build a culture of life, uh, sort of being anti-life, I guess. And then this show being how to build a culture of life. I mean, it's all full circle. I mean, I don't want to go back and just blame the first wave of feminism. Right? <laughs> they should have known. <laughs> yeah, if only they would have known. But, but, but that's where we are. And I think a critical analysis would tell us that's where we are. And I think if we objectively looked at the data, the facts, the reality, which we don't often explore when we think of new ideologies and new thoughts and new cultures and new things to do, and I'm, as I'm looking at politics as they continue to, whether it's tear down statues or you know create new movements and or remake the United States flag or whatever it is, um, I just don't think we're thinking through all those things and really to be to build a culture of life. We, we need to maybe go back to the basics of understanding who we are, whose we are. Amen. Right? And to yes. love God, allow God to love yeah. us, and then to love ourselves yeah. as God made us. 
Yeah, I mean, the garden, everything that happens in the garden, when you just look at it, it was all about that relationship, that giving of self, that receiving of the other. Everything in a culture of life breaks down to that loss of relationship. Life is about others and relationship and giving and receiving, and a culture of death is just void of all of that. So if we're talking to someone who is... 40 to 60 years old, maybe, and they've kind of gone a long way down a path, right? And they feel like sure. they're pretty good, you know, folks. They go, they go to church. They believe in God. They have a small family or whatever, but they've got these problems or whatever. What, what, what do we, what do we tell, what do you give them as advice in terms of like how to, how do we get, how do we change things? Where I, do they start? Gosh, I think it's as simple as, you know, how you react to, um, something that's not ideal like say uh somebody in your maybe maybe your granddaughter maybe your daughter is unexpectedly pregnant or Mm -hmm. a a difficult situation um if you can bring yourself to have your first words be congratulations this is a beautiful accomplishment in some way you know it's it's almost our our um you know, sometimes our scrupulosity gets in the way of like well i don't want her to think that that was okay you know that she's right but the bigger picture here is that this life is a gift and that uh, to build a culture of life is always celebrating and receiving the other in any circumstance. People matter. And you know, the world essentially was saved through a horrendous, despicable act. And, And the reason I say it that way is because somehow God is able to take terrible things and good things can come of them. Yeah. And so you think about people who were conceived in a, in a, not a good way. Yeah. Not the way you would have chosen or would have chosen for your child. Yeah. And yet somehow there's a blessing and there's a gift there. And that's what you're kind of suggesting, that we see that first. Yeah, that the dignity of the person is always first and foremost and not the circumstance of, of their situation. All right, because some of my, you know, I, you think about like if you if you had erased those people from history who were conceived in rape or who, you know, mm-hmm. are out of wedlock or whatever, mm-hmm. probably some of the greatest advancements of, of, of hum, humanity yeah. Will be null and void. They come out of adversity, it seems. Some, somehow, God is working in mysterious ways, and we don't get to fully know all that stuff. No, we don't. And there's a big difference between focusing on the person versus focusing on autonomy. It's a subtle difference, but it makes all the difference in the world because you're paying attention to the good of the other. Amen. Leah Jacobson, thank you so much for being here with us. We've enjoyed having you as a guest for these last six episodes, and so we have this beautiful idea and vision of holistic feminism. Thank you for all you're doing. We'll continue to pray for you. Thank and we're going to ask the Blessed Mother to continue to pray for all of us uh, as we as we struggle with these issues in this day and age. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, pray, pray for, for us sinners, sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at The Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.